There's also the flip side of too much stress. Many of us maybe have had that experience of stage fright, of being in front of, in a room in front of people ready to talk and you can't remember what you were gonna say. We don't remember well when we're under stress. And cortisol itself can become toxic to the hippocampus, that memory center of our brain. So we want a balance in terms of our stress, enough engagement that we're challenged, but not so much that we're decompensating, that we're giving up, that it's feeling overwhelming. And so that looks like often using a prayer or meditation practice to manage our stressors, having a, a schedule throughout the week that helps make sure that you have time to yourself, but you also are engaging socially, cognitively, physically, in the ways that are meaningful to you. So for some people, this means taking on a volunteer position or spending more time like you, like we've already talked about with the, the next generation. So there's lots of ways to balance this out. Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. What was I gonna talk about today? can't remember oh my goodness i forgot to pick my daughter from school so having some memory issues have you ever felt like you're have some timers or alzheimer's or you're losing your memory you know when we're my daughter's age she's 15 she can't find her keys where she put them and she's fine with it if i can't find my keys i'm like oh my gosh is it something <laughs> am i losing my mind am i losing my memory is this a symptom of something happening inside my gray matter what's going on and it's true for so many of us. The perimenopause, menopausal timeframe is a period where our protective hormone progesterone starts to decline and that can lead to brain fog and memory issues as well. But today we're going to talk about something even more serious, talking about Alzheimer's, talking about dementia. Most likely you have known someone in your life or you know someone currently who is dealing with or struggling with dementia and or you are having this struggle right now. So in this podcast today, really intend to give you hope and strategic tools and next right steps to take to empower your memory, to empower your mind, to reverse some of the effects, the causes, the underlying reasons why we develop dementia and or Alzheimer's in the first place. To do this today, I have a very well-respected physician in this space who was referred to me by a dear friend and mentor of mine, Dr. David Perlmutter. And Dr. Perlmutter highly recommended our guest today for the work she's been doing in Alzheimer's and dementia 
and the spirit in which she does it with. So a recommendation from Dr. Perlmutter goes a long way with me. So I'm happy to bring her to you in our Girlfriend Doctor community. This is Dr. Heather Sanderson. She is a naturopathic doctor who has dedicated her career to supporting those suffering with dementia. She's created unique and successful solutions for patients and caregivers using clinical, residential, research, and educational platforms. She hosts the annual Reverse Alzheimer's Summit. So I hope you caught that. You can definitely look in our archives for it and we'll put a link below for the next time that comes out. You definitely want to watch that. And she's also the founder of Solsare Health Clinic and Mara Marama, I'll have her tell you about that and pronounce it properly, the first residential care facility of its kind. So Heather, welcome to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. Anna, thanks so much for having me. It's a real privilege to be here. Well, I am thrilled. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time now. So tell me a little bit, like tell us how you got interested in dementia and Alzheimer's and why it's so dear to your heart. So originally I came to this as a skeptic. I had heard Dr. Bredesen speak at a couple of conferences and although the concept made sense that you could apply a lot of functional medicine, right? If you just stacked all of it basically on top of itself, you could see some reversal of dementia. And I thought to myself, but everybody I've ever known who's smart and who knows what they're talking about has said that that wasn't true, that, that it was impossible to reverse Alzheimer's or dementia. And there was really nothing that we could do. And so there was this conflict in my head of like, wait, he's saying we can do it. It kind of makes sense the way he's presenting it but I don't think you can really do this. So I was intrigued enough, I went to his training, and then what really put me on this path was seeing patients get better, who I, you know, when I saw the impossible happening before my eyes, miracles happening before my eyes, I knew I needed to dedicate my, my career to this. I had my first patient after being trained by Dr. Bredesen was a woman named Linda who came in severely affected by dementia. She could barely answer questions with a yes or no answer. And I, you could see her wheels spinning in her brain as she com like comprehended the question. But then by the time she was able to formulate an answer, she'd forgotten the question. But she was so bright and vibrant. And she had this great big smile and this like loud printed dress and like uh, this leather studded bag. And you could just see there was so much soul in her. And it was so impressive what her and her husband did over the course of just six weeks. She improved Montreal cognitive assessment. And that is, it's essentially, it's a one-page worksheet that you can do in a clinical setting. It's out of 30 points. So perfect is 30 and 26 and above is normal. She had a MOCA score of two the first day. She mm -hmm. came back six weeks later and her MOCA score was seven. And this is something I had been told wasn't possible. When I saw what was possible for Linda, I couldn't help but think, you know, what's possible for everybody else who's just at those beginning stages that you were describing, where they're misplacing keys or can't remember the neighbor's name or, you know, can't remember that distant cousin's husband's name or whatever it is that you would have remembered 10 years ago, but you're not now. If we could stop this at that, we could avoid so much of the suffering associated with Alzheimer's. Women are affected much more than men in terms of this disease. They're two-thirds of the patients diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And when a man gets Alzheimer's, guess who takes care of him? It's usually his wife mm -hmm. or daughter. Daughters are the people, when people ask me, should I buy long-term care insurance? Have a daughter. 
She is who is going to take care of you when you age. And yet so many of these daughters, I can relate to them so much. They're they're raising children of their own. They're they're have full-time jobs often. They're managing households and relationships. And they want to take really good care of their parents who are suffering with dementia. And it's just too much to ask. Mm-hmm. And yet it's this, it's this almost, it's so many people feel like there's no solution. It feels so overwhelming. And yet there's so much hope and there's so much that you can do from home. And so I'm excited to share more about that today. Well, I definitely want to hear about that. And then the residential care facility, you said there's nothing else like it. Talk about that. What does that look like? So a lot of my work has just come out of people showing up in my office and asking questions. So I was seeing more and more patients with dementia improve their cognitive status measurably and meaningfully for their lives. And through that, I developed a reputation here in San Diego for being the doctor to go to for that. So I had a patient reach out to me and say, hey, my uncle has dementia. I really want him on Dr. Bredesen's protocol. He's my mentor, a good friend of Dr. Perlmutter's. And so she really wanted him to be doing this, but it was her uncle. She couldn't drop everything to have him move in with her to, so that she could facilitate this lifestyle. And so she asked, where can I send him? And I looked, I looked online and, and was try- I asked Dr. Bredesen's team, where, where are they doing this? And basically there was nothing. And so, of course, I thought to myself, well, how hard could it be? And nine months later, I love your spirit. (laughs) (laughs) I keep thinking I want to create a ranch retreat center. I want to create like where people can come spend a month or so and really reboot. That's has so that's why I'm so interested in what you're doing. So, yeah, walk us through the front doors. (laughs) We have a lot of people who reach out now and ask, can I come for a month or two? So Marama was created kind of out of this question, where can I send my loved one with dementia? I want them doing the Bredesen protocol, but I don't have the bandwidth to facilitate it for them. Mm-hmm. So that what, what we do at Marama is essentially it's an immersive experience where you want to stay at least six months. It takes about a month to get settled in, especially for people who are struggling cognitively, take some adjusting. But after about a month, we see people really turn around. Their mood improves, oftentimes blood pressure resolves, your blood sugar normalizes, they feel stronger, fall risk is reduced, uh, even osteoporosis, it tends to get better over time. But it takes about six months to kind of start down that path, to halt the disease process, and then to start to turn it around. And of course, the more severe someone is on this disease path, getting 100% of these cases better, but certainly many of them. And the other question I was being asked around the same time in 2018, 2019 was, hey, if I do this for my loved one, if we take the time, if we put in the effort, if we spend the money to do this Bredesen approach, how likely is it that they're going to get better? And I didn't know at that point. We didn't know. There had been case series published. There was a hundred patient case series published. And then in 2014, the original one was three patients. So there was a little bit in the literature, but there was no clinical trial saying this percent of patients gets better. So Cat Tubes and the Bredesen team, they published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease their trial in July of 2022. And we just published in also in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease in August of 2023, pretty much uh, it, it was accepted in May and very, very similar done at my office here at Solceri. So we, Kat and, and the Bredesen team, they took 25 participants through a nine-month intervention, the Bredesen protocol, same thing uh, what I do here in my office. And they took participants MOCA scores of 19, nine-month intervention, and 25 of them. 
84% of those participants improved. They measurably improved their cognition. So our paper that was just published, what we showed, we took 23 participants, about the same amount, and we did a six-month intervention. So we tightened it up. We, we were asking for more of a miracle because we wanted those results faster. Mm-hmm. And we took participants with MOCA scores between 12 and 23, so more severe disease. And what we showed was that 74% of those participants, or 17 out of the 23, improved their cognition. And the mean scores across the entire group, even those that didn't get better, the mean scores of uh, memory, overall composite cognition, and MOCA scores statistically significantly improved. The drugs that are out there, this is really setting a totally different standard. Because the medications, what they do, you may have seen, there's, they've been in the, in the news, Aduhelm or Aducanumab was approved by the FDA amidst lots of a controversy. People resigned over its approval. But then wow. now there's, can be- Like, what was that about? Aducanumab, that one has been approved as well and is covered by Medicare, very expensive. And the side effects are brain bleeding and brain swelling. And the benefit is that you slow the progression down. So this means you're drawing out a torturous process. Mm-hmm. Instead of getting improvements in quality of life or in, in cognition, you are getting this prolonged torture. You are extending That's the horrible. length of time that someone has dementia. And so, I, I mean, I, I want those medications. I wish more than anything every day. I wish there was a pill or an IV that I could give my patients to just stop the suffering but we don't have that yet. But what we do have are these other really exciting things that we can do where the side effects are are just better health and and more graceful aging generally. Yeah, let's talk about that. So the Bredesen protocol is a nutritional protocol. That's part of it. Like go go through the steps that you're putting your patients through. Man, I want to hear every single off the wall and standard and normal, everything. So I like to start with talking about the foundations. So foundations for health um, are are these decisions that we make every single day about how much we move, what time we go to sleep at night, how long we allow ourselves to stay in bed, what we put in our mouths. All of those pieces are so critical to brain health. We know that getting really good high quality sleep, that's when our glymphatic system rinses the brain, deep sleep. So prioritizing sleep and getting good high quality sleep. This is something that you can start doing tonight. But there's lots of lifestyle things. I'm sure you've talked about this extensively with your patients and on this show, but things like avoiding blue light, making sure that noise and temperature and the mattress and the light exposure are all optimized for sleep so that you're not getting that interrupted sleep. You're getting the good high quality sleep. And then hormone optimization. You mentioned progesterone. Also be very, very helpful for getting good quality sleep for postmenopausal women or perimenopausal especially. And then diet. We recommend an organic ketogenic diet. Not forever, but I I know you have a cookbook. You have a a great book about using the ketogenic diet for hormone management. Mm -hmm. We also see that that flipping that switch energetically in terms of the resource that our brain is using, flipping it from sugar, carbohydrates, glucose to ketones or fat for fuel allows the brain to just turn on and more efficiently create fuel. And the brain, although it only takes up 2% of our body weight, uses about 20% of the energy expenditure each day. So we need to efficiently make fuel in the brain. And regardless of our diabetes status, how insulin resistant we may or may not be, 
we all are less efficient at burning glucose for fuel in the brain as we age. And so using this like hybrid system in our body to its potential is really helpful for brain healing. And there's, there's multiple mechanisms that we think are going on there. But I, I think specifically that fuel source is, is one of them. So great sleep, organic ketogenic diet, and then exercise. Exercise is critically important to brain health for a litany of reasons. But it, I, I think of exercise in basically four flavors. And aerobic exercise and strength training, you've heard of both of those. All of us know about that. I want to share with you the unique ones if you want to optimize cognitive health. So the third one is the combination of cognitive and physical exercise at the same time. So what does this mean? Sometimes you'll hear it called dual task, D-U-A-L-T-A-S-K. I call dual it dan two-stepping, dancing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. So yeah, the scientists who study it, if you look on YouTube or if you're searching PubMed, it'll call, be called dual task exercises. If you just want to have fun with it, you go to dan ballroom dance classes, you learn pickleball and play pickleball. You, you do something that engages you cognitively at your edge at the same time that you're engaging physically at your edge. So you don't want to be running a marathon and completely breathless. You don't want to be past that edge. But you want to be still, it's not a, a slow walk in the park either, right? So it's something that engages you. And for some people, this is as simple as going to a class, like a Pilates class or a Zumba class or a yoga class, where you're being cued by the instructor. And for other people, that's not enough. You need to, you know, if you can predict the next thing that's going to come out of his or her mouth, the instructor's mouth, then you need something that's going to be a little more challenging. Mm, so one of my point. patients, it was super sweet. She was, her granddaughter was living with her while she was at school. She was going to nursing school and they would go for walks together and she would quiz her grand, her grandmother on important dates in their family, anniversaries and birthdays and holidays and stuff like that. Um, that was really emotionally engaging for her, but also challenging. And that, that really, I mean, it was incredible. She did really, really well when her daughter, her granddaughter was living with her. So I love that. I love that multi-generational, the benefits of multi-generational households. I mean, I did really a lot better when my granddaughter was living with me too. Her first year of life, she's, uh, the, my daughter and her moved out a couple months ago. I'm missing her every single day, but there's so much oxytocin with that, right? But I think it's that, that whole thing about being challenged. Why, you know, my dad till, you know, through his life, 91 was doing Sudoku. But I think that concept of dancing, why pickleball is, and that, you know, the the unknown and having to react, I think, I mean, there's there's so much healing in that too. Plus you get good community and friendships. So it's a combination. It's a, you know, it's a combination of benefits. It's really fun to think about, like to get creative. What what does that mean for me? How can mm -hmm. I get that? Maybe it's a walk, a brisk walk with a friend, or it's listening to an intellectual podcast while you're exercising. There's lots of different ways to combine these things. And then you'll notice the benefits. The fourth thing is uh, the fourth type of exercise here. So we talked about strength, aerobic, and then the dual task. The fourth type 
is contrast oxygen or using oxygen to optimize your exercise. So for many of my elderly patients who maybe don't have as much exercise tolerance or stamina, we'll do just exercising with oxygen. And this can help get them more comfortable. You can avoid some of the lactic acid buildup and the, the soreness after exercise. So as they're getting back into exercise, we can use that to help build confidence. Then as they're more comfortable with using oxygen while they're exercising, we switch to uh, contrast oxygen, where you go back and forth from positive to negative. So you actually restrict oxygen. And similar to the ketogenic diet, this engages the hormetic effect. So we're stressing the system a little bit in order to create more resilience. What we're talking about here is that you stress the system a little bit by restricting oxygen while you're exercising. And that creates the buildup of CO2, which uh, engages the vasodilatory effect. And then you get these changes in the circulation, even at the microvasculature level, at the capillary beds, where that's where the action happens, right? Where that diffusion of oxygen is happening. So you get pressure changes and you get changes in oxygen diffusion. You also, over time, will get that stress on the cells makes the, the senescent process happen. So those senescent cells are kind of the tired. They get kicked out. They go through that recycling phase and you stimulate the production of new cells. And those new cells, they have more mitochondrial density. So it's easier for them to make energy because as in that, that time that they were born, right, there was stress. And so they were adapting to that. And this is, this is really fun and exciting to see. It helps with detox. It helps with muscle building. It's definitely challenging, but it's a way to up your game if you're looking to optimize your cognition um, really at any stage. And I love getting that one started earlier because later on when people have more cognitive decline, it's harder to get them to wear a mask and push themselves and kind of get through the discomfort of it, but it's highly effective. So is that, for example, on a bicycle with a uh, air restriction? Exactly. Yeah. So you wear a mask and it's connected to a concentrated oxygen. And then you flip the switch back and forth between extra oxygen and then negative oxygen. So you rebreathe about 20% oxygen. So not zero, but less than what we're normally breathing. Very cool. Very, very interesting. So we talked about nutrition. We talked about sleep. We talked about exercise. The fourth foundation in this approach is stress management. So this, you know, I think of chronic disease is caused by, in my mind, imbalance. Too much, too little, in the wrong place or at the wrong time. Something's, something's not balanced. And stress is one of these things, especially as we look forward to retirement, are you getting enough engagement, right? A lot of people, sometimes I talk to people who are like, I've worked, so I'm ready to kick my feet up and hang out on the couch and not have any stress. Right, right. So it's really important to engage. There's also the flip side of too much stress. We, many of us maybe have had that experience of stage fright, of being in front in a room in front of people ready to talk and you can't remember what you were going to say, right? That we don't remember well when we're under stress. And so, and, and cortisol itself can become toxic to the hippocampus, that memory center of our brain. So we want a balance in terms of our stress, enough engagement that we're challenged, but not so much that we're decompensating, that we're giving up, that it's feeling overwhelming. And so that looks like often using a prayer or meditation practice to manage our stressors, 
having a, a schedule throughout the week that helps make sure that you have time to yourself, but you also are engaging socially, cognitively, physically in the ways that are meaningful to you. So for some people, this means taking on a volunteer position or spending more time like you, like we've already talked about with the, the next generation. So there's lots of ways to balance this out. So that's the foundational piece. I'd love to jump into the medical side of things. Yeah, um, but I all, make sure all that in. If Keep going. You're a great speaker, by the way. Okay. You got it so organized. I'm like, oh, the stage is yours. <laughs> but, you know, it can feel overwhelming for many people that there's the Bredesen protocol. Uh, that was my initial response of like, really, you're going to do all of this? And then I realized, well, yeah, you want to get your brain back. You want to optimize your brain and you want to enjoy this, this last phase of life, this next phase of life, you want to feel really good. You want to feel like yourself. And so yes, of stacking these positive things on top of each other. So those foundations, if those are in place, a lot of people feel really, really great with just that. The medical piece is also very important. And what we're looking for here again is imbalance, imbalance in toxicity, imbalance in nutrients, imbalance in structure, imbalance in stressors, which we, we kind of talked about, and then imbalance in, in terms of infectious burden. So with toxins, I think of them in three flavors. We have our mycotoxins or biotoxins created by living organisms. And typically there's exposure to water damaged buildings. Second, we have our heavy metals. And third, we have our chemical toxins, things that might be found in petrochemicals uh, from some gas or from herbicides or pesticides or things that are, might be in water. Those things can accumulate and particularly glyphosate, which looks a lot like the amino acid glycine, has a big impact on our nervous system. So we I want to you sure to say that again, Heather, because glyphosate in so much of the food we eat, our food chain right now. And we really have to be aggressive about eliminating it too. I mean, I recommend everyone move towards an organic diet whenever feasible. I know the cost of groceries has gone up so much, but it's, it's like, when do you want to spend the money now or later? Generative disease that's been caused by that toxin. It really directly, glycine and glyphosate can be essentially exchanged in that position wherever you are in the body. And in the case of the nervous system, this, this is truly harmful because that it creates misfolded proteins and it, it just really, it, things are firing abnormally when glyphosate is in the position of glycine. You can take some oral glycine to help flush it out. We see this because we measure it and switching to an organic diet and then using glycine um, can be really helpful to reducing that number. And I think that that's well worth doing. The highest numbers of glyphosate I've seen in people have been in people with ALS. Definitely just anecdotally from my practice, those really high numbers are in people with active disease. So we have our toxins and the nutrients, you know, you can think about nutrients from a lot of perspectives, but I'm, I'm not saying like, do you have enough vitamin C to not get scurvy, right? Like most of us are there, but what we want to know is do you have so much sugar that it's become toxic, right? Glycotoxicity is one of these pathways. Sometimes you'll hear Alzheimer's described as type three diabetes. Right, right. And I think that awareness was just powerful in our medical community because we didn't until maybe, maybe 15 years ago start saying that, maybe not even that long ago. But just to realize that sequela, like that risk factor of hyperglycemia affecting the nervous system. 
it's think of your like your neurons are basically caramelizing. <laughs> they are just sugar becomes toxic when it's in abundance. And so you can have too much. Then on from a functional perspective, you can have enough B12, but maybe not enough to be firing optimally, right? And this is so many of these nutrients, whether it's minerals or B vitamins or antioxidants, things that we can measure, they can be outside of a functional range. So you can basically be getting by, but not really thriving because you're being held back by a relative nutrient deficiency. So getting those abundant nutrients present and supplementing where necessary can really make a difference. You can also use nootropics. These are things like mushrooms and types of choline, and, and certainly B vitamins become part of this, but using herbs and other things like that to really help turn on the brain's ability to create new neurons and new connections between them. So sending that signal. Hormones also send those signals. I know you've, you've talked extensively about hormones and the importance of hormones for our brain, so many women experience menopause. So it's really critical to make sure that those hormones are there still sending that signal to the brain. And this includes testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, pregnenolone, DHEA, and vitamin D and the thyroid hormones. All of that signaling. With and with like progesterone, pregnenolone specifically, with or without a uterus. I mean, so many people aren't offered progesterone and most people aren't offered pregnenolone. And it's one of the reasons I put them in my balance cream combined, you know, the progesterone with the pregnenolone, with or without a uterus. So, you know, please. So important. And estrogen, I, I hope, I'm sure you're telling everyone, topical only. I still have patients that show up and they're taking oral estrogen and I'm just like, wait, what? I, I don't understand. So um, let's talk, so talk about that a second because Oral estrogen increases inflammation, increases our inflammatory markers. So that's one of the reasons to avoid oral estrogen. I usually say after age 55, Heather. Now, 57, and I still do trochies, which has a little bit of estrogen in them. So I am swallowing, but I do watch my inflammatory markers. So, but typically creams and trans, you know, transvaginally or on the vulva. I mean, that's a great way to get that absorption. So, so what about that with trochies and oral estrogen? And tell us why it's not a good idea, especially for brain health. Well, I just am, I am concerned about the side effects of oral estrogen and it needing to be processed by the liver. I, it seems really clear to me from the literature I'm familiar with that you want to do that transdermally and reduce the risk, the risk associated with that other uh, blood clotting, absorbing it through the GI tract. Yeah. The clotting, yeah. the clotting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're, I, I'm like hesitating here because I think of you as the expert in all of this. So I'll, I'll let you describe that to everyone. But it's so good um, to hear I, it and hear someone else say it. It's so good. I mean, it really is. And, and need to hear that too. I mean, that reinforcement of this topic, it's, and you're absolutely right. I have people who come in to see me and they've been on oral estrogen and they're in their sixties. I'm like, not, you know, Definitely, if you're a smoker, I, I, never, and I, not past 50, 55, if you're low, and that's low risk, if you're high risk at all, diabetes, heart disease, any inflammatory factors, elevated HSCRP, you don't get any oral hormones. It's so critically important. And I think that's part of why I also clinically, I see people come in still on oral estrogen. And that's why we, we just want to say it over and over again. So if you're on it, go find another doctor, <laughs> switch. But oral progesterone, it can be so helpful for sleep. And so I really encourage that. And it gets confusing, right? It's a lot. So no one should have to kind of wade through all of this information on their own to find a good provider 
who understands what we're talking about so that you can make sure you're on the safest, best uh, hormonal support for your brain. And then, so nutrients and hormones, the signaling I put in there. Now, structure. Structure is a really important piece to talk about here because things like traumatic brain injuries put us at high risk for developing dementia, right? That's going to trigger an inflammatory inflammatory cascade in the brain. And some people never recover, but there's lots we can do about that. And functional neurology, chiropractors often have a lot to add there, but things like high-dose fish oils, phosphatidylcholine, phosphatidylserine, B12, also IV NAD, uh, niacinamide adenine dinucleotide. This can be really important. David Sinclair has kind of made this popular through the anti-aging movement, but also for traumatic brain injuries and healing, we see this profoundly helping. And so the sooner you can treat that, the better. But if you have a history of traumatic brain injuries from falling off horses or soccer or whatever it was, motor vehicle accidents, there's lots of ways that people end up with these over time. But if you have that as part of your history, it's important to get ahead of it. Additionally, you know, we think about structure as, as kind of the hip bone connected to the leg bone. At the macro level, we also want to think not just are you in chronic pain, but can you get air through your airway at night? So mm-hmm. obstructive right. apnea puts people at very high risk of developing uh, neurological degeneration and, and particularly Alzheimer's. And it's one of the things that I've seen over and over again in my practice. Uh, I've told people recently in the last six months, I had two women who had MOCA scores of eight when I met them. So severe dementia, you know, below 10, not living independently. I mean, this is really, really impacting their lives, their families' lives. Both of them, one went up to 15, the other went up to 16. They both aggressively treated their sleep apnea. They committed to wearing the CPAP. One of them got an oral device that she liked better than the CPAP. They both treated their sleep apnea successfully. Now they did everything else too, but I think that for both of them, treating sleep apnea was probably the single most beneficial intervention that we did. And it was impressive to see how much they changed. And their families were like, I've got, the one son was like, I've got my mom back. They, you know, he's just so happy. And the patients, both patients were so much happier, so much more engaged. So Treat sleep apnea, even a little bit of sleep apnea, moderate or mild sleep apnea, I'm not okay with as a as a brain doc. Like I I that is mild brain damage every night. We need to be getting rid of that. Keep your brain oxygenated all night long. Other piece of structure is genetic structure. So this is our molecular structure. So APOE status, this is the one most people are familiar with when it comes to genetic risk of of developing Alzheimer's. This is the later onset. So in your 60s, 70s, 80s, not the early onset in your 40s and 50s. That's associated with the APP or the amyloid precursor protein and um, the PSEN1 and 2. Those are very, very rare. Most people have, uh, if you're going to have a genetic predisposition, it'll be in the APOE. So APOE status, although it's associated with higher risk, if you have, you get one from mom and one from dad, and there's kind of three options, a two, a three, or a four. So if you have um a two, a three, three or two, three, you don't have a copy of the four, you have a 9% chance of developing dementia. When you get a copy of four, you go up to a 30, if you have one copy of four from mom or dad, you go up to a 30% chance of developing dementia. And if you have a four, four, a four from mom and a four from dad, 
you end up with a 50% chance of de developing dementia. The general population is about 13%, so this is a significant increase in risk. The great news here, though, is that if you know about it, you can take all these steps to prevent it. So you can reduce your risk by starting the prevention process earlier. You might have to work a little harder than, say, your neighbor or your spouse, but it's the time to start is basically right now. It's the time to start with prevention is before you have any symptoms. The other piece with the APOE4 is that there's a wonderful book by a woman named Becca Levy at Yale. She wrote a book, it's called Breaking the Age Code, and it talks about having a positive mindset with, uh, associated with aging and how that, that you can eliminate your risk associated with APOE status. So really, really- That's incredible. Research. That is so powerful. Fun. That and is if powerful. You, don't have APOE, you live well. I, her other study showed that having a positive association with aging, you live seven and a half years longer. Seven and a half. That is huge. There's like, what other lifestyle intervention can you do that gives you that much? I mean, that's huge. Seven and a half to have a positive attitude of aging. You know, I had interviewed Dr. Enrique Martinez. He's a psycho neuro psych, psycho neuroimmunologist, however you say. <laughs> anyway, psychologist that really deals in this. And one thing he was saying about the centurions, people that live over a hundred, is that they have a healthy self-narcissism. He called it like, you know, of course people love me. I'm loving I mean, like, you know, of course, like wrinkles, makeup, lipstick, whatever, you know, I'm lovable. I love, I love that. I have to remind myself that. That's so sweet. You know, I'd imagine as well, when you have that healthy self-narcissism, you're like, I'm going to go to that PT because I deserve the help. I'm going to go, I'm going to go fix you're right. this injury. I'm going to heal from this because I deserve to live the next like phase of life. And so I think people with that, that feeling, they're going to go out and get the help they need. They're going to go out and get the resources and, and put the tools to work. And they're not going to give up on themselves. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're expecting things to keep getting better. And that's fun. So infection, I want to talk about infections really briefly, just because things like herpes, P. gingivalis, the uh, infections associated in the oral cavity with, with gingivitis, and COVID, COVID-19, as well as Lyme and the Lyme co-infections are all directly associated with higher levels of inflammation in the brain and then the triggering of, of misfolded proteins. And so this is something, you know, we, we know now that beta amyloid plaques or the pathophysiology associated with Alzheimer's is they are my antimicrobial. So that amyloid plaque is being produced to protect you. Mm. It's kind of wild to me because we, we, kind of, we vilified it for a long right. time, but it's actually there to protect you. So the idea is not, in my mind, is it to get rid of the amyloid plaque, but to fix cases, it's the infections. And so we need to go in and get rid of those infections and do that relatively aggressively. So I, I recommend that people, you know, if you have a propensity towards herpetic outbreaks, treat them. Yes, lysine and the herbs, that stuff is good, but I'm a naturopath. And in that case, I, I reach for the acyclovir and the Valtrex uh, because I really want to for people to have the prevention of the, the negative effects on, on their brain. I also refer very quickly and aggressively to biological dentists in my network because that, you know, there are many times I've said, I don't want to see you again until your dental work is resolved because we're going to be stuck. We're not going to get past this until the infections, the abscesses in your mouth are taken care of. So health starts in the gut and the gut starts in the mouth. So we that's have right. To Good point. It. 
Yeah, that's so that's so powerful. And I think about those subclinical infections, like bleeding gums are never normal, right? And some people, we just have lived with it because we thought, oh, well, it's just how it's always been. And then hidden infections from root canals or implants. So all these things that we have to think about and a biologic dentist can really get to the bottom of thermography of the mouth can look for areas inflammation. And that's where thermography too comes in beneficial. It can see early signs, where's inflammation starting and let's work to address it. So a lot of, you know, so many good points. And, and from there, are there any other medical, any other in interventions? What do you do next? <laughs> So, I mean, there, there's just so much that so we much. But oh red gosh. light therapy comes to mind as something that's very low risk, has great data around it. And mm -hmm. that we've seen people with severe disease who have behavioral issues and high anxiety, sundowning. When we use the red light, we see an immediate change in behavior. And it seems to be very calming. Something is happening. It's hard to tell because we do so many things at once, but the data is there. And, and also it's very safe, right? We're not harming anyone by giving them the red light therapy. So we use a lot of that. I mean, we stem cells and exosomes. Peptides. There's so many directions exosomes. that you can go. Mm -hmm. IV. Um, using much of that in your practice. Yeah, IV interventions and peptides and stem cells. I mean, we have to hyperbaric. Is there a space for hyperbaric too? Yeah, absolutely. So we the oxygen therapies are kind of the exercising with oxygen, the contrast oxygen that we talked about, and then the hyperbarics for people who aren't able to exercise is also a really great option. As long as they can clear their ears and kind of communicate yeah. outside of the chamber, there are studies out of Israel. Now, these hyperbaric chambers were a little different from the soft chambers that we tend to have access to here. It was a, a you know multi-million dollar hard chamber, but there was great benefit that was found for people with dementia. So the biggest thing is you don't give up. There is hope. And it is about, first of all, knowing that you're worthy and investing in yourself, that you are worth it and you can get better. I mean, the, the scores improved tremendously from your data and that research. So from the Bredesen protocol, hitting the foundationals to look at how we can create within ourselves a healthy ecosystem that's low inflammatory and is empowered using everything in our arsenal from medicines, prescriptions, hormones to, you know, red lights, interventions, and then having, knowing now that you have a, a facility where people can actually go and spend time and do the deep work to recover. So tell our audience how to get a hold of you. There's, and again, thank you for being so generous with your information and your time today. It's such a privilege. Thank you for just having me. It's my life's work is to change the narrative around Alzheimer's. There is hope. There's lots we can do. And the sooner we get started, the sooner we get these foundations in place, the sooner we get the toxins out and the nutrients balanced, the better our outcomes. And so please don't wait. Find a doctor who can support you in this right away if it's something that concerns you. Prevention is so much easier than reversal. And don't lose hope. If you know or love someone who's suffering, also please reach out to a doc and, and get the support you need to implement. Awesome. And tell us your website where we can find you. Yeah, sure. DrHeatherSanderson.com is my website. And there you can learn more about our clinical practice, our research uh, projects that we have going on, Marama, the residential care facility. And I have a book coming out in 2024 called Reversing Alzheimer's with Harper Waves. So be on the lookout for that. And we'll be sending updates to anybody who wants them if you just sign up for the newsletter there.
So every Heather, again, thank you for being here and sharing your information. The work you're doing, it's a hard, it's hard population to work with. It is challenging and you're doing it with grace and the determination, the heart that you have. It's, it's inspiring. You are inspirational. So for all our listeners, check out Heather Sanderson, Dr. Heather Sanderson.com. Get on her newsletter because you're definitely going to want her book. What an amazing resource, amazing tool. Probably you've not heard of some of these things, but piling them together, adding them into your life. And from the basics, what's your one next right step? From what you've heard today, what's your one next right step that you can take to improve your brain health today? Think about that, write it down, add it to your habit journal and commit to it. And I'm here with you. I thank you so much for being here. I encourage you to stay engaged. Let me know what you want to hear about. And I do want to thank you for your five-star reviews. I've received so many this last week and I'm really grateful. And it does help so much. Anywhere you're listening to this podcast, please, please put uh, your review and share with me what you love. And it helps us reach other people, helps us rise in the rankings. So thank you guys for being here. And until next time, I love being your girlfriend, doctor.